Your weekly look at the new release shelf begins right now. How about something really exciting? New and excitingly different. That's a record. Enjoy the lift you get from the perfect blend of their new album. And they keep dropping, dropping. From the capital of Canada, you're listening to the album drop. Here's Phil Shirakawa. And another episode of the album drop is on the air. Hi again, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I'm Phil Shirakawa, and coming up today on the show, I speak to Brad Merritt. He's the bass player and co-founder of legendary Canadian indie rockers 5440. We're going to talk all about their career and uh, their show this weekend at City Folk. It's going to be something special. You want to stick around for that. But uh, before we get there, let's talk about Santa Rosa Fangs, the new album from Matt Costa. It's out everywhere now, and uh, it's a conceptual record put out by the L.A.-based singer-songwriter. Kind of based loosely on things that have happened to him in his life, uh, observations and, uh, you know, relations and uh, some some family tragedies and stuff like that. It makes for a really cool collection of tunes. Just kind of easy, mellow, kind of chilling, late summer vibes like we're feeling right now. That's, uh... This is the place for it. We'll start with a song called I Remember It Well. It's brand new stuff from Matt Costa. And it's here on the album drop. I remember when you were a mess. Said we'd look back then on all of this. You had it in the book. Grapes come. 
You're listening to The Album Drop. Listen to previous episodes at thealbumdrop.ca. Now you can get me right or you can get me wrong I know everybody talks, feels this way Now give me a second cause you're out of line Think you're afraid of love and honey, I'm just saying That you're afraid of love Cause it might just catch you a little off guard And a little out of breath Afraid of love coming at the wrong time I'm not the one to say it's not your kind I'm losing sleep 
But when I dream it's a new girl I've seen those clueless ones Mistreat your love I've seen your only one Mistreat your love Are you beginning to see You already have all of me And all my feelings are growing stronger Coming around You're coming around Coming around Now I'm just stuck in a world in my head I'm losing sleep But when I dream it's a you girl You girl Record Santa Rosa Fangs, his first in five years. Matt Costa, and coming around. I also heard Grudge, I Remember It Well, was the first one he played from the record, which is available now through Danger Bird. And again, like I was saying before, it's a kind of a concept record based uh, around uh, three brothers, uh, somewhat inspired by uh, a lot of things that have happened to him in his life, including uh, the loss of his cousins. And that... uh, always makes for some of the most uh, introspective work and uh, at times uh, the most heartfelt, at least in this concept, uh, that that happens to be the case. This is episode 377 of the album Drop. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm Phil Shurikawa. And uh, if you're digging what we're doing, uh, you should check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on Instagram, very simply, as The Album Drop. And our past episodes of the show are available to stream or download anytime via our website, thealbumdrop.ca. Technically speaking, uh, it's still summer, but I don't know if you've been outside this week. I don't know if it's fair to say that is the case anymore. Always seems to happen, eh? As soon as uh, Labor Day passes and school gets back in, we get a couple of nice days, and then autumn, just like, boom! You know, it would be nice for summer to actually go till the end of summer. Maybe one year. Anyways, let's talk about Houston, Texas-based band Wild Moccasins. A really cool four-piece synth rock act, kind of, you know, along the lines of uh, Metric or the, so maybe even um, uh, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs to an extent. Kind of, you know, kind of proggy, um, you know, like, like I said, uh, synth-heavy, but rock and roll still very much. Um, they've been around for uh, quite a while. they got a, a fair-sized back catalog, according to what I can find uh, searching online. Never heard of them before this record, not going to lie to you. But 
Uh, I'm glad I did. Look Together is what it's called. Really cool stuff. Uh, let's play a little bit for you. We'll talk a little bit more about them when we get back. This one is called 7 to 1. It's Wild Moccasins. And they're here on the album drop.
out of Houston, Texas from the record Look Together. Wild Moccasins. Temporary Vase, the name of the one we just heard. Longtime listener. Was before that. Seven to One, the name of the first one we played from the record from that band, which is available online and in stores. Now, really cool kind of proggy synth stuff uh, coming out of Texas there. The record's also on Bandcamp. So if you were to look up Wild Moccasins, uh, you'd be able to purchase it uh, uh, in that manner. And uh, no middleman. Money right to the artist. Can't beat Bandcamp for that. This is the album drop. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Phil Shurikawa, and we're going to take our only break of the hour. However, stay close to your radio, because it's not going to be a long one. And when we return, we'll be talking to Brad Merritt bassist and co-founding member of influential, legendary, Hall of Fame Canadian indie rock band 5440. You don't want to miss any of that. It's all going to happen right after this. You're only moments away from more great music. The album drop will return. I'm going to start dressing. Find a thing. Facebook, we're on Twitter, and now we're back on your radio. Now, let's get back to the album drop. Here's Phil Shirakawa. And we are back here on the album drop, and joining me now uh, via the telephone uh, from legendary Canadian band 5440. Legendary, Brad? Um, is that the, uh, <laughs> would, would that be a fair term uh, to describe uh, the uh, legacy of work that your band has put forth over the last uh, 30-something years? I, I think you could say that legitimately. I, yes, Phil, I think that totally works. Well, and it, it's not just me saying that. I mean, it, you know, between the, uh, the uh, Canadian Music Hall of Fame and the Indie Awards, uh, I'm not the only person who has recognized... Uh, what uh, your group is in? What, did you ever think, you know, when uh, you know when, when you were in high school, kind of jamming out this stuff that uh, that it was gonna it was gonna get to this point? Uh no, not even close. No, no, no. I, I, as far as I could see, the whole thing going. As I, our ambition was, we wanted to open for one of the uh, the local punk rock bands uh, uh, in Vancouver at the Commodore Ballroom, you know, uh, or one of the bands that came through town, you know that the Periscope concerts used to bring in. Uh, we saw all these our, some of our contemporaries or people we wanted to be contemporaneous with <laughs> opening up for these bands. And we said, that's what we want to do. We want to open up at the Commodore Ballroom, make our $150, play in front of a thousand people. That's as far as we could see the thing going. That's a, I mean, that, that's a completely noble aspiration, right? Absolutely. How? <laughs> so how does it go? I mean, uh, most people, you know, maybe maybe they know a little bit about the business of music, or maybe they have a friend in a band or whatever. But not too many people can kind of can say they've gotten to the uh, the plateau of their career that uh, that you have. When does it um, what, for for you and for fifty four forty? When did it stop being something that you were doing on the side and start being something that uh, takes up most of your time? Well, it, it's interesting. And the way you put it sort of on the side, it's almost never kind of on the side. It's at a certain point, even though you're not making any money and, and you, you really don't have a future, objectively, you think you do. But 
you have to think that that's that's what you who you are and what you do, right? So, so it's a bit of a psychological thing. But you know, we became a band in, a, in the late late 1980. Our first show was December 31st, 1980. So we actually call call it 81, just because we, we played on the last day of 1980. And uh, it wasn't until Sometime in 1992, where you know I, st- I stopped working uh, another job <laughs> to make a living. Okay. So, it's you know it's 11 years, and that's that's quite typical. You know, uh, it's same thing if you're a, an actor or a, if you're working the arts. You know, it, uh, a dancer or whatever it is, you're going to be you know waiting tables or busing tables or you know working somewhere where you have some flexible hours so you can go and do your auditions or play your gigs or go on tour. or or make a record or whatever it is, um, and that it's just it's just it's just part and parcel of of the whole the whole experience. It's it's, it's kind of what it takes. I believe eleven years is what they call an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Where we were an overnight success. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Um, so a, a lot of bands, I guess, that um, have um, have had the kind of success that you've had uh, at uh, you know often get labeled as uh, something like a nostalgia act or something like that. But I, I think, uh, given the fact that your band continues uh, to create, to continue to put out new stuff, I, uh, would, would you say that's probably an unfair assessment of your work? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, at the same time, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it just doesn't matter. Uh so getting back, kind of referencing your last question, you know, it's when you think, you know, you've, you've kind of achieved something. For us, it's 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 about doing what it is that we do. That is its own reward. You know, it's not making a certain amount of money per year or or getting notoriety or you know fame or or you know, it's it's basically we love what we do, and that is its own reward, right? So. If someone goes, oh, I love those guys. I mean, I, I still run into people every now and then. It's like, oh, you guys, yeah, I loved you guys. You were so good. Are you guys still a band? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which I, I can understand that. Sure, why wouldn't you think that? You know, uh, if, in, in, unless you're, because, you know, music's so important to us from whatever, we're going to say 15 to 25, you know. And then you start to get a little busier, and then you know, thirty-five, you've got you know a, a couple of kids or whatever, and a, a busy career, and and uh, you know a partner in your life, and uh, you know, sometimes quite often, you know, pop culture or music, these things that were so important to you earlier in your life, uh, you know, kind of diminish in importance, you know, uh, but you still think back of them fondly. So you turn forty-five or, or fifty or whatever it is, and. Uh, you know, if you go, oh, I'm going to go see 5440 because I really loved them, you know, and back in 1995 or 89 or whatever it was, you know, that's fine, you know. Uh, and then we play, you know, three or four new songs. We have a new record out uh, this year. Um, and uh, so we keep going. we're continuing what it is that we do. Well, I'm getting in a cab and I'm the man I'm sitting in the back. And the driver's got a name I can't understand Through the mirror we make eye contact And he nods once, I nod back I tell him where I'm going, he says, we can do that Though there's no tension, I want to break the ice Make a connection, more than be nice So I ask him
into the street and walked to the Starbucks to get something to eat. And I noticed all the folks that were waiting in line, looking at their phone, biding their time. And I suddenly want to talk, but I don't know what to say. Something in the way we all keep our place. And the guy in the apron, he looks at me and nods, says, dude. So I ask him, how's your day going? that encourage you to keep uh, throwing the new songs into the mix that and, and that works uh, like because i mean a lot of times you know you, you always kind of hear people you know uh bumming out about bands uh, that they wanted to see because you know they play too much new stuff is that is that a concern <laughs> for you at all yeah it is actually you know um first of all you know we don't and you know, we used to play like 130 shows a year, right? When we were touring all over North America, just <laughs> and kind of you get, get in the van and you drive all the way around uh, the, the continent, and then you would uh, you would come home and then you, or go to California, whatever, make a record, and then do it again. And so it is. There is kind of a burnout factor, you know. And you know, I probably have more fun playing Baby Ram now, you know, which is a 32 year old song than I did, you know, in the middle of one of those tours, <laughs> you know. So uh, we play between 35 and 50 shows a year. I mean, we'll probably do 50 this year, which is a lot for us. Um, so, you know, when we get together and, and play live, it's you know, it's more of a, it's a celebration for us. Like, we, 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 we approach it with a sense of gratitude. You know, we truly love what we do. And it's not really a job, you know. Um, and it was a good job. I still loved it, but... You know, it's that's that's the difficult part. You know, is, is <laughs> playing the songs kind of night after night after night. Play a little kiss and tell with poison pills. 
how we play, you know, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, like, for instance, we're playing uh, Ottawa on Friday night, as you know. Uh, we're in St. John's, Newfoundland on Thursday, you know, the, the night before. Right? Oh, wow. So, and, and those are the only two shows on the, on the tour, right? So we, we, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult, you know. Um, and the other thing is, is that in St. John's, we're playing our electric set. Uh, and and, and uh, Ottawa were playing an acoustic set, so it's different arrangements of the song, different instrumentations, uh, and uh, you know, so it requires a little attention to detail, uh, but it's pretty exciting. You know, it's not a grind. You know, what I mean? it's the, it keeps it, it keeps it different. Absolutely, you'll almost you'll you'll have to fly. You couldn't you couldn't possibly drive that, right? No, yeah, no, those are the, we're, it's almost all flying now for us. It's, oh, that's uh, a shame. Um, yeah. It, oh, it is. Well, the thing is, we still we get. <laughs> I know you're being facetious, but uh, you know, I mean, we've seen so much of this country. I mean, it's unbelievable. We've now been to every single province multiple times, multiple times, and uh, now we've been to all the territories as well. Uh, you know, and we've been to every, we've crossed every state uh, or played in every state in the United States in the continental USA. So uh, I've been all over Europe. And then we actually uh, circumnavigated the globe doing a video back in uh, the year 2000. Wow. So, uh, you know, uh, that's the kind of a neat thing, you know, to have these experiences. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we do kind of kind of jet in, jet out now. But that, that's okay. <laughs> it is what it is. So, so tell me more about the uh, the acoustic set uh, that we'll, we'll be hearing this weekend at City Folk. How does that differ from... The electric show that people have come to expect from fifty four forty. Well, Neil's just as irreverent as he is when he plays <laughs> the electric show, <laughs> but but uh, you know he definitely he gets into kind of a story uh, telling mode, and uh, I think he has a little little fun with us as well. He realizes that we're part of his audience, and I think we we're as amused as the audience is. So it's a more of an intimate experience, right? It's usually smaller uh, indoors or under a tent anyway, uh, uh, enclosed. And uh, it's la- it's more two-way, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's the main difference. Not just including the, the music's a little bit different, too. Like I say, it's a bit more, we've rearranged Almost every song. There's a two or three that we play kind of straight up, except with, you know, kind of strumming and drumming. Um, but the rest of we've actually changed uh, our parts and how we play them. Uh, uh, so it, that that keeps it kind of interesting for us. And I always, I don't know how you, people would take this, but that's our first concern is that we, that we're interested and this is the way it's always been for us. It's, it's, it's kind of about the self-satisfaction and our interest. And we always thought that if we were interested, we could probably drag some people along with us. And, uh, and that's what the acoustic, uh, presentation does for us. Now I got to say, Phil, we, we released a record two and a half years ago of our kind of 10 bigger or biggest songs that we thought would make good candidates for, for these uh, arrangement changes. And we re- recorded them with uh, Dave Rave Ogilvy. Oh, cool. And uh, the re- record's called uh, La Difference, History Unplugged. And um, so, you know, it, that's done very well. It's a good-sounding record. We're very pleased with it. And uh, it's allowed us to sort of, you know, 
enjoy this whole other franchise, this whole other side of ourselves. And once again, it keeps us uh, keeps us interested, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. What is wrong with me? I'm not supposed to be happy all the time. But I'm willing to bet it doesn't matter yet, as long as she doesn't mind telling lies to me, lies to me. I don't wanna know what she really sees. And maybe it's not fair to her to believe in what she said. Well, that's the way it goes sometimes. It can also go the other way. I wasn't quite awake. When she said to me, "Body, you're alright," but I think she knows, and I know that it shows that I'm confused all the time. She lies to me, lies to me, and I don't wanna know what she really sees. Lies. Lies to me, and I don't wanna know what she really sees. And maybe it's not fair to her to believe what she says. That's the way it goes sometimes, and it can also go the other way. I wasn't wide awake when she said to me, "The body, you're alright," but I think she knows, and I know it shows. I'm confused all the time. She lies to me. She lies to me. Can people stream that? Is that on uh, Spotify or whatever? Yeah, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's on everything. Cool. Title. And <laughs> hey, hey, some some of our listeners may very well have uh, title subscriptions. We it's not fair to uh, it's not fair to uh, lean towards one or the other, right? As long there as you go. Well, as, long, as long as you're paying for music, that's all we care about, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, it's it's um, you know people ask me you know, my thoughts on that all the time, and I go. Well, you know, change is inevitable, uh, you know, unless you're, a, you know, a Russian oligarch or a, a large uh, whatever, uh, unless you're the coal industry in the United States. <laughs> so, and that, even that's inevitable. That's all that stuff's being delayed. So it's a question of, of, um, of uh, understanding that and then sort of uh, changing with the times and kind of figuring it out. And, 
there's a lot of people I know that you know that I've seen sort of um, on the side of the road of the uh, you know side of the musical highway that uh, got off uh, at certain times or forced off uh, and kind of uh, are bitter about whatever it is you know and uh, of course when all these changes started to come sort of post Napster uh, file sharing and and then everything else sort of the the the, the digital uh, way of presenting music as opposed to the physical way of presenting music. A lot of people kind of use that as an excuse. And of course, we saw a lot of our friends, you know, that were in record companies and other aspects of music business lose their jobs. So it was uh, people, you know, I don't want to underestimate how tumultuous it was, um, but uh, these things happen. And uh, we've totally made a piece of it and uh, we're moving forward because that's what we've always done. And at, at this point now, as a quasi-independent or basically, you know, at least small label band independent, I'm not really sure how you'd label yourselves in that regards. But I think you see where I'm going yeah. with this. Um, yeah. To to save out on the production costs of, you know, making stuff that uh, you, you you could very well have to worry about whether or not it's going to sell. That must be a bit of a relief to just kind of put it out there and have their streaming revenue coming in, right? Oh, it, it works great. It really does. Um, you know, and not to mention the whole catalogs up there too. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we've been around long enough that we've, you know, we've, we've recouped on publishing, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it is, which is great. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing. The other thing about it, of course, is that because it's way, it's democratized the whole thing. It's made it way more accessible. You know, I mean, you know, for instance, you know, I'm on uh, I'm on Apple Music, and I've been on Apple Music for I don't know quite a long time, years now. And uh, you know, I got the family plan while you know the kids were uh, kind of at home, and so now there's four of us that are on this thing for you know 15 bucks a month, and so it's 180 dollars a year, which is probably close to what I would spend on albums, you know, kind of growing up anyway. Or and uh, you know, those kids that, that you know where music's really, really important to them, but, you know, it's uh, going to school or you know, just starting out their work life. Uh, it's nice for them to, to be able to to enjoy music. And uh, so that's a fantastic thing. So it exposes, has the opportunity to expose even a band like us that's been around for 37 years. Uh, it has the ability to expose us to new people. Here you are talking about, you know, is this uh, La Difference, History Unplugged available on streaming services, and the answer is yes. So, you know, give it a try. And then uh, tell us what you think. And, and it still gives you a chance to keep making money off I Go Blind, right? Uh, well, yeah, that's important. <laughs> how, how did uh, how did that song end up with uh, Hootie and the Blowfish? I've always wondered that. Okay, so that, that's, a, that's a fairly involved story, Phil. But this seems like a long-form interview, so I'm going to give you the long, the long version. Oh, we got time. Uh, we got time. So uh, they were, uh, they're a little younger than us. So we were, you know, touring throughout the United States kind of in the late 80s. We were on Warner Brothers down there. So every record we kind of went around the continent. So they formed in South Carolina because they all went to university there. But two of them were from Maryland, uh, Dean and Mark, uh, the guitar player and the bass player. So the big fans of the band, the whole, the whole band was the fans. And we, we kind of actually did very well in that kind of, uh, I call it the Southeast Conference area, kind of the Carolinas and, and Virginia and Georgia. And yeah, in there. The Mid-Atlantic uh, region. Yeah, yeah, there. 
so yeah, exactly. Uh, a little south of that, I, I call it the Southeast Conference, which is the it's the uh, NCAA version. But yeah, yeah, it's okay. Mid Atlantic. We'll say we'll say Mid Atlantic because that's Virginia's part of the Mid Atlantic. But anyway, the point is is that we used to play uh, Washington uh, D.C. on every tour in a, a club called the Nine Thirty Club, which is a legendary uh, music club there. And uh, so these guys from Queens Bluffers would come and see us play, uh, and then they'd come backstage, and they're quite gregarious, you know, outgoing college student guys, and, and they go, we love you guys, we play every song on the green record, and, you know, on our set, we play frat parties, and da-da-da-da-da, and we think you guys are great. Meanwhile, they're, you know, kind of, uh, you know, eating our pizza and drinking our beer. <laughs> like, like, who, like, who are these guys? <laughs> but it was a very, it's, it's, it's kind of the best of, of the American kind of uh, personality right there, you know, very, you know, brash and friendly and uh, it, it was kind of a neat thing. And that happened to us uh, like literally two times while we're kind of touring through there. And then a few years later, uh, lo and behold, I think we were actually playing a snow job, a much music snow job in, in um, uh, Banff. Okay. And someone says, you know, there's a band and they've recorded I Go Blind and it's the B-side of their, their, their first single and it's, it's starting to take off, you know. And I think the single sold like 50,000 copies, or maybe it sold more than that. I don't know what it was, but it was, you know, it was like, oh, that's, that's kind of impressive. You know, then they really started to take off and then they ended up selling 16 million records and they did not put I Go Blind on the record, which was really <laughs> unfortunate for us. <laughs> so they were thinking, oh, okay, well, that's big deal, right? No big deal. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, we've, kind of make contact again and then they release a new record then uh, think, well maybe i go blind's gonna be on that one it's not on that one either and they're going oh boy but what had happened in the meantime is um uh, their old uh their old a&r guy at atlantic had moved on somewhere else i think maybe to 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 we but to another record company and he was putting together a compilation for the for the the TV show Friends, uh, sort of yep. the soundtrack, Friends soundtrack, and it had that song, the theme song on it, and a bunch of songs were were featured on the show, uh, which I Go Blind was featured on the show. So they gave them that, and that went on to sell a couple million records, which was kind of neat. Um, uh, but the big thing was is that between the first record and the second record, uh, radio was looking for another Hootie song. And so that was, even though it was never released as a single and it wasn't on those two records, radio started to play it in the United States. And uh, eventually kind of 10 very influential uh, hot AC uh, stations started to play it. And then it just started to chart. And then it just sort of, you know, every station started to play it and we were tracking it. It got to, it got to number three in the United States and was never even released as a single. So, and then we ended up opening up a bunch of shows in Canada with them on that second record. We played, you know, we played, uh, uh, well, we played what was called the Corral center back then in Ottawa and the bell center, which is now the Molson center in, in, uh, in Montreal, we played the Sky Dome, which is now Rogers Center. <laughs> we played all these these big hockey arenas all across Canada, opening up for them. And um, yeah, I mean, it just it and it there was a lot of a lot of revenue for us. It, it, for me, it was life changing. You know, I, I got that first check and money was a little tight, and we uh, we remodeled the bathroom and put it in a natural gas fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> 
a, a legacy to stand the test of time. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Hi, this is Brad Merritt from 5440, and you are listening to The Album Drop. Every time I look at you, I go blind. Every time I look at you, I go blind. Every time I look at you, I go blind. Every time I look at you, I go blind. In the morning I get up and I try to feel alive, but I can't. Every time I look at you, I go self-titled album commonly referred to as the green album 5440 and the song that paid for their mortgages i go blind it was here on the album drop we also heard lies to me the acoustic version uh, from their acoustic record la difference which uh, brad talked about uh, from a few years ago uh, as well as uh, some of ocean pearl from smiling buddha cabaret the 1994 breakthrough record for that band and uh New stuff uh, towards the beginning of the interview. How's Your Day Going was what we played from Keep On Walking, their 2018 record, which is available online and in stores now. And of course, our thanks to uh, 5440 bass player Brad Merritt for uh, joining us uh, here on the show today. And go check him out at City Folk uh, this weekend as they do uh, their acoustic set. Now, as for us, that's it for uh, the album drop this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in seven days with a brand new episode. But in the meantime, feel free to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, very simply as The Album Drop. And check out past episodes at our website, thealbumdrop.ca. Till next time, I'm Phil Shurikawa. 
Thanks for listening. Smell you later. This whole thing has gone on long enough. Bye. Have a beautiful time. If you missed anything or just can't get enough, check out thealbumdrop.ca. I'll be back. When will this insanity end? Can I finish? Please, can I finish? We'll be back next week. Okay, I'm finished.